empowered by the Constitution, strengthened by the Bill of Rights, the American citizen was bestowed with the power and responsibility of civic engagement. Today, your voice is needed now more than ever, yet barriers stand in the way. How to start, where to begin, it can be confusing and overwhelming. We're here to help you take that leap, breaking down those barriers, providing you with the tools and knowledge to take on civics undaunted. Today on the show, I'm happy to introduce State Representative Mike D'Agostino, representing Hamden, Connecticut, in the Connecticut House of Representatives. He currently serves as the chair of the General Law Committee in the House and is a partner at the law firm of Morgan Lewis. Mike was my state representative for many years when I lived in Hamden, and I have served as the treasurer for his most recent state representative campaign. I've always admired Mike and how he fights for his constituents. He's a role model, and I'm really excited to talk to him today about public service. Mike, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show, and welcome to Civics Undaunted. Patrick, you're the man. Great to see you again. I'm, I'm so excited about this project you're doing. It's, it's great. I know you've been talking about you know, focusing on civic engagement for a long time. You've held various roles, and this is very, very cool. I think it's, you know, people don't know how to get involved, so I really hope they listen to your to your, to your podcast and, you know, digest it all and learn about how to, how to get involved in various different levels. I appreciate that so, so much, Mike. So to start off, what I like to do is just give you a few moments to kind of talk about yourself a little bit, introduce yourself to the audience, and then just, you know, Tell me, what does civic engagement mean to you? Yeah, I mean, so I can sort of answer that a little bit with my background, which is, as you know, <clears throat> I started out, I came back from law school uh, in 96, uh, came back to Connecticut to practice law and almost immediately got involved locally in Hamden, um, first on the Democratic Town Committee, uh, and then running for and winning a seat on the Hamden Board of Education when I was 29, uh, where I served for 13 years. Uh, and I'm, I'm proud to say still still longer serving on the Board of Ed than I've been a state representative. <laughs> um, and that was really all born of the fact that my father was the superintendent in Hamden. And so I got a chance to sort of see Hamden politics from that perspective, growing up with it a little bit. And, you know, being a superintendent is... I have to say my, my father was, was much more of an educator than he was a politician. Uh, I love him dearly, but he's much more of an educator than a politician. And being a superintendent, you almost have to be a half educator, half politician. And so I got to see uh, that play out on sort of a personal level and knew I wanted to be on the Hamden Board of Education. And when I, and so this on the civic engagement side, I was like, okay, so how do you do that? You know, and, and as it turned out, like literally, I think within the first year I moved back, there was a someone on the Hamden Board of Education had resigned midterm, and I, I I saw an article on it, and I and they they said that the Democratic Town Committee would choose the replacement, and so you learn very quickly. And being a lawyer, you know, you look up the statutes and understand how you know this all works. Uh, which it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that Byzantine, right? People should, should sort of know the process, but, um, you know, being a lawyer helped me sort of understand a little bit more, but, but the bottom line was I, I, 
there was a meeting of the Hamden Democratic Town Committee to choose the replacement. And being a neophyte, I showed up. And, uh, you know, a couple people knew me because of my father's last name and showed up and they gave me the, me and a couple other people who wanted to fill the seat who were registered Democrats in town. Uh, they gave you an audience to just give your spiel. And so I gave a spiel and, um, and so just, I'll, I'll tell you what happened in a second, but just sort of stop right there for a second. You, you know this, but this is, I think this is sort of the core of what you're, what you want to get to on engagement and how you run, run for office. Right. So what I didn't know being a neophyte was of course the die had already been cast. The town committee had a candidate that they knew they wanted to fill that role. Somebody who had been engaged before, somebody who had previously run for the board of education um, and who was a democratic town committee member. I was not. So, you know, it was a foregone conclusion who was going to be selected, but it was still, they had to have an open process. I knew none of that when I showed up. I quickly learned it after showing up. Um, but, you know, I stood up in front of people and spoke and I, I, I guess did well enough that people were like, you need to get involved. So we're not going to point you for this, but would you like to have a seat on the town committee? And so that ended up working out and working on some campaigns and then immediately being asked to run for a town council seat the next cycle, uh, a district seat um, against, ironically enough, and I always tell this story, against Kurt Lang, who ended up becoming, who, who beat me in a primary. It's still the only race I've ever uh, lost. Uh, um, and... Of course, he went on to become become mayor of Hamden, but uh, that was a great primary. I got to learn immediately what campaigning was like and uh, knocking on doors and all that other stuff. So it's a long way of saying that's a, you know sort of the history of, of my civic involvement. But it it's it that involvement it, in and of itself is I think a really good lesson on how you become involved, right? I I, I didn't know who the players were. I didn't know that I had been cast. If I had known that, would I have shown up? I don't know, but it was a good thing I did because I was all of a sudden in front of these people and they, oh, this, let's, let's see if this, we can keep this person involved. And I know you, you know, did something similar, right? You showed up on some campaigns and people were like, let's, this guy's awesome. Let's keep him involved. He's really, he knows what he's doing. And it just kind of moves from there. It has its own, its own inertia. And that's what it was for me. I lost that race, but then a year or two later, a board of ed seat opened up and I won that race. So that's, that's kind of how it happens, right? That's definitely the theme of, you know, just showing up is how to get started and just figure out where it is. Cause my story, and I've said this on a couple other episodes is I showed up to a state senator's event outside of ShopRite, Senator Logan at the time. And if it wasn't for the fact that, I ran into Dan there. I never would have been connected to the ninth district's legislative uh, town council race that was going right. on. And just, I showed up somewhere, right? And met right. At, at the time a random person. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to make it a little less weird than that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. But it's, it just show up is a great slogan, right? Just show up. You know, because you don't know where that'll lead to. Correct. Right? I mean, I think just show up is a great sort of slogan for anybody who's trying to, trying to just get into 
politics. Just show up. Just show up to a local meeting. Show up to your local Republican or Democratic town committee meeting. You know, you don't have to be on the committee, but introduce yourself and just show up and just show up at a campaign event and volunteer. Just show up at you know a public hearing or a public meeting. Uh, you know that's that's how it all. That's how civic engagement comes mm-hmm. about. Just show up. Yep. I think the first time I met you was that uh, update. You were given something at a bookstore. Yeah, that really, that, that, that yeah. yeah. So that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's how it works, man. So you already mentioned that you served on the board of education for thirteen years. I'm glad that it's still outranking your your state rep, just because <laughs> yeah. I know you personally love that statistic. And the board of education, of course, has been top of mind lately with the news and mass mandates, and you know, education, what yep. books are allowed and not allowed, and just overall concerns. So can you tell us like, what is the purpose of a board of education? Just like high level, what they do? Yeah. I mean, every, every, so, you know, this is the, this is the state of um, local control, right? We don't have county boards like you have in other states. Um, So every town in Connecticut by law has its own school district. And there's some regional school districts, but not many. So you've got basically like 160 plus different school districts. And that means 160 plus different boards of education who are tasked by law with overseeing uh, the school district. And that, you know, you, 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 you are responsible for that. It's not a paid position. Um, it's an elected office. And then the most important thing you do as a board of education member, or at least one of the most important things you should be doing is hiring a superintendent, right? Because that's your administrative head who actually runs the day-to-day of the school system. You as a board of ed ed member should not be, although some board members do this, should not be making decisions or think that you should be making decisions about, um, you know, what teacher is teaching what class class and, uh, uh, you know, uh, what what the bus route should be. Yes, you have overall guidance on curriculum, on policy, on personnel. They all do run through you. But um, if you're if you're a board of education member thinking that you're going to be involved in the day to day management of the school district, you're you're going to drive your superintendent crazy, and you're going to be it's got it, that's not going to work out to be a successful board of education member. I, I used to say to Fran Rabinowitz, our superintendent, still the smartest thing I ever did when I was on the board of ed was, was when I was chair, it was, it was uh, interviewing her and, and, and really pushing to hire her. I said, you worry about the small, the, the small stuff and just let me worry about the bit, the big stuff and, and vice versa. So, you know, on the, on the day-to-day running the district, whatever, if you give on the small things, you'll get the big things. Um, and we had a very good relationship in that regard. Um, and, that's how I sort of view a board of education members. You should have overall guidance for the district policy. And yes, that does mean curriculum. You mentioned books and that sort of thing. Um, but you shouldn't be injecting yourself into, you know, this bus route or that bus route, you know, um, uh, it, it still is a great, it, it, it's one of the more challenging, I think, positions you can have, and it really prepares you well to be in, politics because there's nothing more um, important and 
important to people than their children. So when you're dealing with parents who've got an issue with their kid in the school system, you better learn how to listen and you better learn how to engage and let people, you know, get their concerns out. I mean, I used to say to folks, you know, look, I, I may not, I still do, you know, I may not end up agreeing with you, but I'm always going to hear you out. You know, I always want to hear where you're coming from and understand, you know, what your, what your concern is. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion with me, but I, we may not, we may not, we may end up disagreeing, but at least, you know, I want you to feel like you were heard. Um, and as you know, I mean, as we're seeing with the mass debates and things like that, it's, it, you know, understandably, it's the most important thing in a parent's life is their child. So um, you better, you better engage as a board of education member. Absolutely. And I do think that is one of your big strengths is listening to people and funny sidebar story because you mentioned bus routes my only personal experience with a board of education is when i was living in vermont i had i was part of a union school so five towns bus to one high school mm-hmm. and in the morning the bus would pick up the high school kids as part of the like primary middle school route but in the afternoon, they would only drop me off at the end of my road, two and a half miles away from my house as a 14-year-old. So I had to go and try and advocate with my mother to the board of ed to get them to bring me home. We lost. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned bus routes because it was the exact Actually same. had to show up and argue. Yeah, right? And, argue for. and especially in a Vermont winter. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? I mean, you want that route. So, I mean, I, I say that, I, you know, I mentioned that sort of as a kind of a weird example, but no, people do call you and want, you know, I want my kid picked up at this corner and picked up at that corner. And this issue you just, you gave it's, it, it, these, these things really, I mean, understandably, they're very important people. And it's, again, your, your child's the most important thing in your life as a parent. So you're going to do what, whatever it takes, whether it's a bus route or what they're reading and what they're eating and that sort of thing. And I've, we've heard from parents on all sorts of issues, as you can imagine. Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of, Issues you heard that I couldn't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Through all of that, you speak very fondly of your years on the board of ed. So what made you love the job so much? Honestly, it, it was that. And it still um, is something I miss because when you did take a particular action, whatever it was, there was kind of an immediate visceral response. You saw what you were doing, whether it was um, improving the condition of a school or adding resources so kids could go here and take this particular trip, whatever it was, it was an immediate reaction. And you felt like as a elected official, you could immediately see the good you were doing and see the results of the decisions that you made. And that's something I think that gets lost the further removed you become from local elected positions. And that's not to say that our, for example, U.S. senators and Congress people don't don't care. But I just think it's it's very easy. Well, put it in, in my current terms, it's very easy to be in the bubble of Hartford as a state representative and think that, oh, you know, my vote on XYZ is so important. And you've got all these lobbyists coming and telling you how important you are and how, you know, they're really, uh, they want you to do this and they think you should do that. And boy, aren't you 
you know, Mr. Chair or Mrs. Chairman and, you know, that's sort of Ms. Chairman, that's, you know, what they call you and they try to make you feel important and you're not, <laughs> I mean, you know, you just, you're not. The bubble of Hartford doesn't matter to most working people in Connecticut. Um, and uh, sure, the decisions we make as a whole, as a collective on the budget and things like that do matter. But very rarely do you have an individual decision that you make like you did on the Board of Education that has a real immediate, immediate impact on the daily lives of, again, your a parent and their children. Yes. And that's one of the things that I love about local politics is you can, even on the like activism side, you can instantly see those results of yeah. the work you do and an application for different causes, you know, and sometimes it's as small as, you know, plastic bag bans, which, you know, long-term help yeah. with the climate change thing, but it's not a big global fix, but you can see it when you go to stop and shop. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. So that's right. That's right. So that's, that's really what I miss about it. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Another thing that you said to me once that stuck with me is that you found in the board of ed that it was a place where, the partisanship was a lot less noticeable. So I kind of wanted to ask, like, why was that? And get a little bit into the weeds there. You know what? I was almost, I was just about to bring that up. So you and I are sort of on the same page and exactly sort of are thinking about some of these issues. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, now everything is sort of the gloss of, I mean, take the, you know, the mass debate we just had up at Hartford, which, you know, I was happy to, to, to lead in the house on the, on the emergency power stuff. I mean, anything you do up there now is, you know, there's a press conference beforehand by the Republicans and a press conference by the Democrats and everybody's trying to jockey the issue of the day and set it up for the election cycle coming up in the fall. That's just sort of that level of politics. Um, and of course it's even crazier on the national level as we all, we all know, but on the local level, on the board of ed, I, I never, felt like our board of ed was partisanship when I was on it. I mean, I, you know, Austin Caesar, who's still involved in Hamden town politics, he's now back on the town council. He and I, he's a Republican. He and I were on together. And one of the first things I did when I was elected as chair of the board was appointed Austin Republican as chair of the curriculum committee and a great guy is now no longer with us, Ed Sullivan, who was another Republican board member as chair of the finance committee, probably two of the more important Certainly two, they're all important, but two of the more sort of day-to-day -day functionally important uh, uh, chairs and, and committees of the Board of Ed. And I felt like they were the best people for the job, regardless of party. Um, and I think it all goes back to what we were just discussing, which is ultimately you're, you're not paid, right? You're there because you're trying to do the best thing for the kids in town. And honestly, when that's your motivation, how can politics really enter into it? I, lo I love that, and I want that to be true writ large, <laughs> right? That's the dream, right? Where it's, yeah, right. You know, we're all rowing for the same goal. Should be. Um, so, kind of on that subject, and, you know, knowing that things are getting more partisan, but at the end of the day, you're there for the kids, you know, one of my, my concerns and one of my pet issues, because I'll be honest, I've contemplated running for Board of Ed before. Ah. Um, you know, the focus for me is always to have a quality education. Mm -hmm. So 
what can we do with kind of all these pressures to kind of make sure that that's still there in our public school system? Because, you know, I know parents are trying to exert more control, but sometimes they're not the experts, right? Like, so how do you kind of bridge that with then the Board of Ed? Well, first of all, I hope you do run at some point in time. Although I will say, I, I like, I think what you're doing now might even be more important because you get more, you sort of, it, it feeds upon itself and more and more people get involved. But you know, you always have my support if you want to run for something like that. Um, I, you know, I, I guess one of the things that's always bothered me from an education standpoint in Connecticut is really, and this goes back to what we were talking about, the kind of balkanization we have with the fact, and this is just rooted in our law, that you've got all these different districts. And, you know, okay, yeah, you know, the the, the economic situation that kids are in in New Haven is is different than New Canaan. But um, if you if you just think about things in those stark terms, you're you're not going to move the ball forward on making sure that everybody's got an equal educational opportunity if all you're concerned about is what's just going on within your borders and some of those borders i think people you realize are very very small i mean i don't mean to knock small towns in connecticut because they're great they're, they're the backbone of of our, of our state but you know you got some districts with a few hundred kids and graduating classes of a few dozen i mean that's a private school system mm-hmm. should that school system where maybe the mill rate in town is a 20 be getting state aid when, you know, there's kids in, in New Haven, for example, who are coming home and, and, you know, they don't know where the next meal is going to come from. You know, I mean, it, it's, you, you gotta start, we gotta start thinking about these issues on a state level rather than individualized mindsets. And unfortunately it's almost impossible to get that because, you know, I'm a state rep from Hamden. My constituents want me to represent Hamden. And the state rep from, you know, Scotland, Connecticut, uh, he's concerned about Scotland, Connecticut, uh, right? I mean, and I mm-hmm. I can't fault that state rep for not being concerned about the fact that the kids in Hamden have much different challenges than the kids in his district. So um, that's, that's, that is a continual challenge. And... I don't know how to solve it because it kind of takes, it will take kind of a fundamental rethinking of people coming in and start thinking about everything and be willing to put sort of those overall concerns ahead of their local ones. That's a tough thing to ask of any politician for obvious reasons. Yeah. And that's why uh, for better or worse, my rooted belief in more people getting involved, more people actually alleviates some of that. Cause then you get a mass you know, economies of scale for mm-hmm. lack of a better term. And I think, you know, we noticed it just recently and I don't know all the ins and outs of the details, but with Darian and Norwalk, there was yeah. a vote relating to, to kids education. And that was the open choice program, right? Yeah. 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 So it is personal. And so thank, thank you for kind of expanding on what is that specifically for, for Connecticut. If there is someone listening who wants to get involved, what would you recommend the first step be? I, th- I think what we were talking about, just show up, just show up somewhere. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, again, sort of the way that the our politics work in Connecticut, you do have to 
nationally, but, but obviously here, you, you do have to make a choice sort of which side of the aisle you want to be on. Mm-hmm. But then just show up, show up. It's, you know, okay, you're, you're, every town's going to have a local political town committee, Republican or Democrat, or hey, you want to be, if, if there's a third party, there's, if the Greens are in your town, you want to get involved with them, go ahead. Um, whatever it may be, but show up at that local town committee, see how those meetings go, introduce yourself to the folks who are on it, because they'll help you through that process and see where it goes from there. If you don't want to do that, Hey, this is a, this is a state election year, right? Do what you did show up at, you know, Hey, I really like what representative so-and-so has to say, or Senator so-and-so has to say, show up at their campaign headquarters. Mm-hmm. What can I do? And you will immediately be immersed and start learning about how everything works. And as you are a perfect example of you, you can, that can suddenly lead to a whole bunch of other things. I think just pro, show up. Pro tip. They never say no to volunteers. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think people need to understand none of this is paid. You will not, you will very rarely be paid unless you're like a treasurer taking on that kind of responsibility and get a stipend. And even then it takes a couple years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. That's right. Uh, I love that. They will never see we're, we're, we're distilling this down to like, just show up and they'll never say no. Right. <laughs> see, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. Speaking of showing up, you show up for your community. I've seen you be so good giving speeches in front of the stop and shop, supporting workers in the uh, state house for the CPAC reform. Just you always are such a good voice for the people that you represent and the issues that you stand for. It makes you stand out as a great leader. And as we, as we've hit the bell a couple times, encourage people to get involved. What is the importance of showing up in your community? I, I, I mean, you have to be engaged. And I think the best way for me to answer this is just to sort of tell you what's been happening like the last two years, year and a half. We've been doing more of these last year and a half on constituent engagement. I mean, we always we always were there and responded to people, but we've had such a deluge the last year, year and a half of people just struggling to you know, I need these unemployment benefits. I need this help. How do I get access to this? I'm being told that I have, that I owe this money or, um, you know, I can't, I can't get a COVID test. I can't get my unemployment benefits. It's, it's been a challenge for everyone and just showing up for, and I can't say enough about our staff. This is not me you know, answering all the calls and making all the inquiries. I mean, the, the, the folks, you know, the, the, the Patrick Johnsons of the world who are involved, who maybe won't, aren't the face of, um, you know, aren't the elected official, like, you know, my aide, you know, Jason Knight, he's phenomenal. He, he, I, I don't know how he sleeps sometimes because he's, <laughs> he's, you know, this person call, get back to this person, Mike, and he'll, and okay, you know, Jason, can you reach out to the Department of Labor and ask about this person who, you know, and so we have this whole um, structure that we work with, but, and I think this is what people need to understand. 99.9% of the time being elected official, particularly being a state representative, is just being a liaison 
for your constituents with the apparatus of state government to make sure it works for them smoothly. That's it. That is it. You know, and and bureaucracy being what it is normally, and then you layer on top of that COVID mm-hmm. and all the challenges that brought with it, people on both sides, the bureaucratic side and just constituent side, just didn't know how to navigate it. And we, that's, that was probably the most important thing that we've done uh, as a team, uh, as a legislator, and then our team behind us, um, just showing up for people in that sense. And it, it makes a difference. You know, I didn't get thrown out because I was able to get that rental assistance. You know, I was able to get these tests. You know, we were able to see people. Um, You know, we were able to avoid being foreclosed on. I mean, just things like that that really made a difference the last year and a half. And again, I'm not taking credit for this myself. It was, you know, I'm just sort of a liaison myself with getting in touch and and our staff with the right people in state government who then, oh, yeah, we can handle that. I mean, people literally couldn't get through on the phones. And that's not it's not a knock on state government. They just were overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. They could people could reach out to us, and we could make the calls for them and contact the right people for them. So that's what just showing up means. Yeah, that's you know I, I've I've felt it through stuff my mom has gone through needing, and this is in Vermont, not Connecticut, mm-hmm. and reaching out to people, and they did that work. But hearing the back end of it from you. That's powerful, and I think it's important to know, you know, how to get in touch with your state reps because that's the stuff they do. Yeah. So uh, I yeah. will definitely include something in the show notes so people can find who they're. I was just going to say, are. if you wouldn't mind, I mean, that, that really that is the most important thing. If you've got a problem, whether you, it, whatever you think it is, but if it's a problem with the state government, just reach out to whoever your rep is. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. That is literally their job description. That's what they should be doing for you. Not running for higher office, not trying to their own self-aggrandizement. It is literally to try to make your life easier interfacing with state government. Well said. Absolutely well said. The, you know, the hard part, I think, is when you get into those sticky areas where you know you have to have hard conversations you know i think mm-hmm. something with a little less uh heat on it right now would be you know what you did with cbac a, a few mm-hmm. years ago and it was a contentious issue but it's a couple years in the past and just being able to be in a situation that's kind of a split and you know some of your constituents will be for it some against and just how do you have the fortitude to make those those tough calls and how do you work through it? Well, it's not, I mean, I, I, it's not even so much of an analysis, right? I mean, so like take the, the whole executive powers thing we just did. I mean, I led the debate in the House on that a week ago and it's a contentious issue, but it's not like you go through some sort of analysis. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say that didn't come out right. I mean, I think what I'm trying to say is you do what you believe in personally and and then it's everything kind of flows from that, right? I mean, you're 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 going to be passionate about what you believe in. So that's going to come through when you're debating. And 
I've always taken the view, I mean, these are my personal beliefs and if they comport with what my constituents believe, then I'll be reelected. And if they don't, then I shouldn't be reelected, mm. but I'm not, you know, poll testing my beliefs. Uh, I mean, you know, if, 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 and, you know, I'd also like to think, and I think, you know, this well in hand and you know, everybody, we've got some very sophisticated voters here. And I think they all understand that no politician's ever going to be a hundred percent aligned with everything you believe. Right. Nope. I mean, that just happens. But now if, and then each constituent has to, each person has to make their own judgment call. Well, if that person, you know, I, I, I like what he or she is saying on 90% of the issues that gets my vote, but maybe they disagree, you disagree with them on one particular issue. And if that issue is that important to you, that that's it, you can't support that person, then that's fine too. Mm-hmm. But from an elected official standpoint, I've always just sort of taken the view. That's how I approach every issue. Like, what do I believe? How do I feel about it? And then just espouse that view and let the chips fall where they may. I love that. And I think what I'll highlight from it is to anybody listening, if you're passionate about something, follow that and do the work there. And it'll lead to, you know, board of ed, state rep, or just general activism. Whatever. Work. Yeah. You'll find the community as yeah. long as you know what you're passionate about and want, want to fight for. Yep. Yeah. And don't compromise on those, on those things that you believe in. I mean, you compromise in the sense of you should always be willing to listen and educate yourself, but don't, don't change your views just because you think it's going to get a vote or make you popular or, you know, because people I'd like, well, I'd like to think most people can see through that. I'm not so sure sometimes these days, but I'd like <laughs> to think most voters can see through that and, know when somebody's just um just saying what they want to hear i agree a thousand percent voters are smart they're smarter than you would think they see they see authenticity very easily Yeah. yeah so part of public service has and comes with challenges as we both know Mm. what are some of the challenges you face in your public service work you know, honestly, I think for me, this is just more a function of the state rep position because it's a part-time position. So the, the biggest challenge is time, right? Now, I mean, I've got a fantastic wife. You've met you've met Kate, but we so we don't have kids. And, you know, although we've got a, a very difficult rescue greyhound who's lounging around right now. Um, so I don't have that time but but we both are attorneys and and that takes a lot of a lot of time just the job and so how do you balance um you know a demanding job you know and, and i'm not the only one i mean every every legislator you know they're all it's all mm-hmm. a part-time position and most of them have you know real jobs um <laughs> i'd say real job you know legislators obviously a real job but you know what i mean like a private sector job and that's a tremendous challenge for for people because being a legislator does take a lot of time. I suppose the last few years, like I said, I mean, it's not like you're not a legislator when you're not in session. You you have to be there and you should be there for your constituents all the time. So that's a huge challenge. I don't know if you saw recently, there's some headlines about sort of increasing the part-time pay. I mean, I don't do the state rep job for the paycheck. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my, my, my day job as an attorney pays the bills. And so that has to come first sometimes. And I've been very fortunate. Like I've never had a trial in the middle of session 
But if I did, I'd have to miss session days. And mm-hmm. that's a problem. Uh, Joe De La Cruz, you know, fantastic legislator from the Groton, New London area, you know, guy who just brings a unique and wonderful perspective to the legislator, legislature. He's not running next year because he just, he's just too busy at work and he can't do it. Um, now, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine what it's like in a state like New York. Like you were telling me offline that you were recently in Albany, right? Seat mm-hmm. of government in New York. You know, I can commute to Hartford in, you know, 35 minutes. Can you imagine being in, you know, far western Rochester. New York and having to come to Albany? Mm-hmm. How do you do that and have a life? You know? Yeah. I, I think that's definitely one of I think that's one of the reasons why Connecticut can get away with a part-time legislature mm-hmm. is because even in the furthest corner, you're what, mm-hmm. an hour and a half away? Right. You know, and that would be Fairfield County probably. Right. Or right. right near the border of Rhode Island. Right. You know, compared to, I know Texas is, they're not, they're less part-time than we are. It's yeah. one session every, every other year. year yeah. yeah. For like two months. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even understand how you get yeah. anything done, but that's a discussion for a different day. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know how you do it in some of these other far-flung places, and it's it's difficult. And some states do have full time. I, you know, you're a big data person. That'd be interesting to see. You know, how many states are full time versus part time, and unicameral versus bicameral, and how that's evolved over time, and how how that how in places where it's full-time what does that mean for the, like the diversity of the legislature you know do you have more sort of people who have i say you know regular jobs because like right now i mean you know it's it's a lot of attorneys who can sort of manage their client flow or maybe you've got your own your your own business you know so you can manage your time but that that's and those are important perspectives to have but they shouldn't be the overwhelming perspectives in a legislature. And I think that they are because of the time commitment. Yeah. I have not done that data poll in a while. Mm. The last time I did it, I think was around 2018. Mm. I think Nebraska was the only unicameral. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong there. And then I know the predominant career choices in Connecticut for state legislatures was lawyer, realtor, <laughs> <laughs> or someone who owned their own business. Yeah, right. See, right. I mean, it proves the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then there were a couple that were like retired educators. Yeah. Right. Who, yeah. Or retired. You know, Fifty-seven, right. but yeah. they were educators. Which, yep. you know, we need more educators in in office for sure. That's yeah. my personal belief. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, um, proves the point. Yeah. Time definitely is a big thing. I know from watching people in the um, city council for Hamden. Yeah. They put in to try to understand the, specifically during budget season. Yeah. Um, so how do you overcome the time challenge? What, what advice could you give? Cause I mean, yeah. that's a very relevant issue for anybody who wants to get involved. That's a great, great, great question. Um, you gotta, sort of talk it through with whatever the situation is at home before you commit to it. Right. I mean, Hey, I'm not going to be home. If you're on like the town council or board of ed, you know, two, three nights a week, a month, you know, I'll be gone from six to, you know, God knows when, especially like you said, during budget season, right. Some of those meetings for the town council ran 11, 12, 
shut yeah. the door on right. the city hall. Right. So talk it over internally with your family first and figure out, you know, can you make something like that work? And then depending on the position, right? So the local offices tend to usually meet at night on weekdays. So that takes its own type of time commitment, usually mostly away from the family, right? Unless you've got a night job. The state rep job, conversely, you have to, as you and I were just talking about, you've got to make sure, okay, how is that also going to impact my my quote unquote day job? Mm-hmm. So you just have to, to get a feel for the time commitments before you run and have a sense of how you're going to approach it. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, and on the other side of that is what makes doing this worthwhile and worth those challenges. Yeah. Well, I think you and I touched on this beforehand, right? It really is. It's two things. It's one, if you're passionate about something yourself, this is an appropriate and sort of a fun, um, vehicle to, to, to act on those passions. But then also, like I said, on the board of ed side in particular, and even on the state rep side, when you see the, the actions that you take, you know, have an impact in the local community or even the statewide community that, that makes it worthwhile too. Awesome. 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 So normally I end with two questions. Uh, one of what's the motivation to keep going. I think we've hammered that <laughs> ad nauseum. So I think we know it's, yeah, we know it's answer. And the other one is what is one thing a listener can do today if they want to begin a life of public service, which I know we also have touched on, but listen, listen to civics undaunted. <laughs> listen to Patrick Johnson. No, seriously though. Right. Cause you're covering a bunch of people involved in different aspects of it, right? You said you talked to the mayor already. Um, some of our local activist community you've spoken to, um, state Democratic um, committee woman. So I would cycle through these podcasts, right? I mean, this, this is exactly what you're putting together is a blueprint for that. And I bet if somebody does that, and you probably could do this as well, pluck out particular strands that everybody's spoken about, about how to do this. I think for you and I, we've talked about it, right? It's just show up, mm-hmm. whatever it is, pick that particular um, avenue you're interested in, local, state, federal, and just show up at one of those events and get involved. But I, I think listening to exactly what every, I'd be curious to see what the common threads are from everybody you've spoken to on that issue. So, so far there are some, common threads but different variations of it right mm-hmm. the one that stuck out to me the most because i'm like you said i'm trying to to tackle different angles and i have a future episode where i'm actually looking at civic engagement within a corporate structure hmm. so like if you're within one of the bigger companies or it doesn't have to be a big company but how can you bring the issues that matter internally right yeah and work from that but um claire roberts said you know Find what annoys you and go do something about it. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I'm like, that's just great framing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. So you, you should do like a like a little best of snippets, like you know, after like you do five or six of these and, and put up put up its own uh, its own podcast. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
Well, this awesome. is great, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. I, this is fantastic. I, I, I'm happy to come back on again and encourage my colleagues to come back on. I think it's great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike, for for doing this. I love talking with you. You are an inspiration and a role model for me every day. So keep up the good work on your end. If there's anything I can ever do, let me know. And don't, thank you for don't say that. Show. Remember, they never say no to a volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode can you please head on over to podchaser.com and leave a rating or review these ratings make a big difference and really help get our podcast noticed so we much appreciate it if you could go on over there civics undaunted is a production of the civics institute and it is produced and edited by katie kacharski please visit www.thecivicsinstitute.com to get more thank you again for listening have a great day